Directors cut movie, put on your mask and gloves Action, they didn't notice us Jump out from different angles, nuts This one's a movie scene, them cameras shoot and I seen them freeze Frames, colour, grey, so think of the quarter case, case This is director's cut of movie, put on your mask and gloves Action, they didn't notice us Jump out from different angles, nuts This one's a movie scene, them cameras shoot and I seen them freeze Frames, colour, grey, so think of the quarter case, case What's going on people, it's Flash Johnson and welcome to episode 2 of Director's Cut. Today I'm with one of the biggest directors in the UK music industry. Let's direct some of the biggest videos to touch our scene. Gabriella Kingsley, how you doing? No. Thank you. First and foremost for um, joining us. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. And I feel like we're going to have a good conversation and really get to know behind the lens of really what you do. Yeah. Um, let's get started. Like, how did you actually start that? How did it all start from the beginning? Um, so basically, when everyone went off to uni, I thought I was going to do fashion. That was like my goal, my aim. I was like, I'm going to go like work in retail, learn front of house, back of house, and like work my way up and then eventually mm -hmm. have my own fashion brand. Mm -hmm. um, and then unfortunately, during that process, my dad mm -hmm. passed away when I was 19. And I didn't work for a while. And then I'd say eight or nine months later, I went back into work, but I just, like, I wasn't happy. Like, and obviously being that young, I've always been like an outgoing person and I didn't really want to go out as much anymore. And I was more of like a recluse. So I decided to quit my job mm -hmm. and move myself to America for a few months. Well, so I went to Miami. Okay. And you was going to live there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it was what I needed at the time, you know, like I just needed to like be away from everything and everyone that I knew and just kind of like learn to like have fun again. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And then whilst I was out there, a friend of mine who is, who was a director, um, he was coming out to shoot a Fuse ODG and Sean Paul video. And he was like, oh, like just come on to set, you know, like hang out, meet everyone, whatever. So I went, yeah, I'll come. And that was like the first time I'd ever been on like a proper music video set. Mm -hmm. And like I just fell in love with it. Like you can imagine as well, like Miami, like the scenes. Like some people's first video was on the block. Your first experience <laughs> of a video with Fuse ODG and Sean So um yeah, like just being able to see like the process of, you know, like his idea and then like him making it come to life and like everything, like I just loved it. Um and then yeah, like after that I came back to London, I went back into fashion it really like sparked an interest for me in film. Mm -hmm. So I started doing like my research and I kept in contact with my friend. And then I'd say maybe a year after being back, he wanted to open up a small production company. Um, and he called me and he was like, I'd love you to basically come run it with me. Like you're mm -hmm. good with people, you can like deal with clients and you can help me on like the production and all the things. So at the time I was like, you know what? I've like worked my way up in fashion at the time I was working at Victoria's Secret as a manager. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if I leave this and I decide I want to come back, I can kind of get a job anywhere. So I was like, let me just take the risk and just see what happens, see if I like it. So I started working with him, um, running a small production company and producing music videos. And then I guess as time went on, I started doing all the things that a director does. So like on set, I was always very vocal because I've always naturally just been like a creative person. When like briefs would come through, I'd always like give him ideas for like pictures, things like mm -hmm. that. And then yeah, like one day he was like, he turned to me, he was like, why don't you direct? And I was like, ah, oh, like 
never really thought about it. Yeah. And he was like, well, you're literally doing it without even realising that you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it was something that I'd never really considered. Obviously, there's not a lot of women in that role. And at the time, I hadn't met any other female directors. Mm. Um, but yeah, like he kind of made me see that like I was more than capable of doing the job. And he was like very encouraging of it. And um, I was very blessed and fortunate enough that he he really believed in the fact that I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave me my first opportunity so that my first ever music video was a Crepton Colon and Falling music video. Sick. Um, he was like, yeah. So, and like obviously a massive video, like huge artist, and especially at the time as well, like they were proper like... Did they know that this is the, this is your first video though? Or no. Did you go in there? But he very much like positioned it like, I'm still going to stay on the project. We'll go in as like a co-direction, but I'm going to let you take the lead and I'm going to be here like to support you. Um, and so, yeah, Son came in, wrote the video treatment. He sent it in. It all got signed off. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And yeah, shot my first music video. I was absolutely crapping my pants when I jumped <laughs> on set because I was like, I have to act like I know what I'm doing. Even though I don't know, know what you're doing. doing. <laughs> um, but to be fair, it actually came quite naturally. And I think my experience in production over the months that I had been doing, mm-hmm. like I'm one of those people anyway, like I'm like a sponge, like I soak things in quite quick. Um, and I think that allowed me to have the confidence just to be like, okay, like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to like boss it. And yeah, like it went really well. They ended up coming back. I did another video for them after that. And then seven years later. Seven, seven years. How old are you? 30 now. 30, you're still young. You're still young. Obviously, you're a female mm-hmm. and you're a director. What is the advantages and disadvantages that you face being a female director? Because there isn't many of you guys in our scene. There is a few. Mm-hmm. And every literally a lot of females that I know in our scene are killing it. But what advantages and disadvantages have you faced? Well, look, it's a male-dominated industry, of course. So for being a woman, you've just got to work harder, I guess, to mm-hmm. prove yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've been through the times I've walked on set and people are like oh you're late can we like rush you into makeup or like oh like put you into the styling room I'm like yeah I'm directing I'm not like you know um and I think just like anything else if it, if you're a, like a minority in the sector mm-hmm. you just have to work 10 times harder to I guess gain your respect from mm-hmm. like your peers and I think over time i mean the industry is definitely changing there's a lot more women Mm -hmm. behind the scenes now like in directing production even with like crew members things Mm -hmm. like that um so there's definitely progression and change um so yeah like it was difficult like i've been through so many crazy scenarios Mm -hmm. had to deal with a lot of Interesting personalities along the, the, the way. The rapper's friends. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> the artists and the mandem and all of that. Um, but I was always very particular as well when I started. Like I very much avoided the, you know, the video shoots on the blocks and all of that because I didn't want to have to deal with the whole entourage. No, no, And yeah, so like it's definitely had its difficulties, but I mean now I'm at a point where. I feel like I've been doing it so long mm-hmm. and I like I've 
I've proven myself basically now that like I feel like I don't like I don't need to anymore. Mm-hmm. Like my work speaks for itself. Well, so like I like to say all the time, of course, like I'm a woman and I'm a very big advocate for more women in the industry. Mm-hmm. But like I'm a director, and the reality of it is, it's like whether you're a man or a woman, especially in a role like this, mm-hmm. where it's just about being creative essentially, like your gender or your race or whatever it is shouldn't determine whether you're better or worse. Um, Something I'd probably get complimented on a lot as being a director is like, oh, you pay so much attention to like really small details. Mm -hmm. And that probably does come from me being a woman, you know, like as well, like I said, I was into fashion. So like I care, like I'm that part, like the director that goes, speaks to the stylist, speaks to wardrobe, Mm -hmm. goes in, speaks to glam, like Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And like, so I think I probably pick up the smaller details. So if I see my artist and like her hair's a bit out of place, I'll move it. Move it because yeah. I know if that was me, I'd be fuming after if like the yeah. whole time like no few, one said anything. There's right. a few things I said that I fume about, but I'm not gonna shit. <laughs> yeah, so like I I think there's probably look at the end of the day, men and women, we're different. That's the reality. We're two we look at life differently. We have two different perspectives. That doesn't make my perspective any better than yours. It just makes it different. Mm-hmm. So I think, of course, on certain projects it probably comes to my advantage to be able to give a creative from a female perspective, you know? So I guess that in a sense is like uh like a positive, but mm-hmm. like I said, I don't think it makes it any better or any worse than a man. I just think it's dependent, like I said, like on the project. I've, sometimes I hear that, oh, it's easier for females, easier for females that in this industry, you're a girl, it's easy for you, especially when you're a pretty girl as well, it's like, oh, it's easy for you. But do you, have you ever faced that challenge where it's been easy for you or it isn't easy for you? Or people think because of who you are, what you do, maybe your looks, that they think it's easier for you to get what you need in the industry. No, I think it's the complete opposite. Like, literally the complete opposite. Because the reality of it is, like, okay, yeah, you might think I look good, but that's not going to get you a good music video. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, not that I'm aware of that I've ever gotten a music video because of what I look like. If mm-hmm. anything, I think a lot of the time, unfortunately, women are put down or they feel like they, because they're a woman, they're not going to do as good of a job mm-hmm. at it basically or you know if you've got your male rapper they might be like oh she doesn't know, like she doesn't know what she's talking about or whatever it is and like i say this all the time with this whole like woman and man like balance is that like a lot of the time that like comments and things that are made to women in the industry it's not necessarily always someone trying to purposely be rude or trying to make a woman feel uncomfortable or less than. Mm -hmm. I just think that men are obviously naturally programmed very differently to women. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've had, like, situations where, like, a client's gone and been like, hey, babes, and I'm like, I'm not your babes, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, you wouldn't speak to, like, your boss or Mm -hmm. whatever it is like that, or if I was a man. Mm -hmm. But then... That's what I mean. It's like sometimes it's not always intentional to try and make me feel disrespected or mm, try. Sometimes it's just you know, the it's way you talk. Natural, that's what I'm saying. So it's just about being able to be assertive and 
let people understand like where the boundaries like lie and like what's acceptable and what's not mm -hmm. and doing it in a in a respectful calm way where like i can just go to them and be like oh yeah like i didn't appreciate that like you addressed me like that and most of the time the reaction will be like oh my god like i'm so sorry and i'm like it's cool like it's not it's not a big deal but obviously you've got to understand especially with music videos music videos are a very relaxed environment you know yeah. like you're on set people are drinking like chilling like it doesn't necessarily always feel like work. People mm. look at it and think, oh, it's just fun. But obviously, we are still in a working environment and we've got a job that to needs do, to get to done. Yeah. Um, and we've got to do it. So you've also got to, you, you've just, just got to learn how to navigate yourself. And I guess that's something that definitely over the years, mm. I've learned more and more as my time's gone on, like how to, how to deal with people, how to deal with personalities, how to hold myself, how to make myself feel like, feel confident mm -hmm. and not be undermined because that's another thing as well i think being a woman doing what i do is difficult because sometimes the men want to undermine you they yeah. think that they know better or you know like i've definitely worked with people in the past and stuff where it's like they don't want to listen like it's almost like i'm mm -hmm. supposed to be here and i'm supposed to be in charge yeah. but because i'm a woman it's almost like you sometimes you have men in their egos and they feel like they know better they feel like you have to be submissive and they can be the dominant one. Right. And then, you know, if I start raising my voice or or my tone or I'm rude, I get labelled as a bitch or, oh, she's difficult to work with and things like that. When in reality, it's like, no, no, I'm doing my job and I'm trying to, like, boss my job, you know, the same way that a guy does. But a guy can get away with it a lot easier than a woman. Yeah. So it's like, it's like treading these, like, thin lines of, like, the reality of society and how men and women are looked at and now like adapting that into like the working environment and like knowing how to like navigate that so i actually think it's a lot harder like it's a lot harder and if you go and you look at the percentages i was literally speaking at a panel today and someone was reading out the stats and they were saying in the whole world and in all of film there's 23 percent of women and that's in all film and obviously I'm just in music video, so I don't know what the exact percentage of it is, but it's there's a small amount of us, it's not a lot, and it is a male-dominated industry, so it's always going to be harder. And then on top of that, once you start adding in the agencies, the productions, like the, the bigger end of the music video world, you're now going into a white corporate foundation. So now not only am I a woman, I'm now also a woman of colour. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like... <laughs> I can't remember this clapping. <laughs> um, so they're all obstacles, but for me, as I said, you just got to work harder, push harder, and if you're good at what you do, eventually, like all that stuff, slowly starts to not matter. It's not about that anymore. Like my work can show for itself. So now I don't need to prove myself, or I don't need to talk myself up. You know what I mean? No, I feel you. Obviously, you're a director, and um, I feel that. A lot of people call themselves directors because they've got a camera. I do directors cut not just for telling people your stories, but there's always people out there that just want to be like us, that wants to, and there's a young girl watching this right now that wants to be like you, there's a young boy watching that thinking, yo, I like flash dance, you know what I mean? But they don't know what, they say they've got a camera and they call themselves a director, but they're a videographer. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to me the difference between a director and a videographer for the people that don't know? So obviously, for as a videographer, you're a self-shooter, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd own a camera, you'd operate the camera, etc. And then on top of that, a lot of the time, self-shoot directors mm -hmm. or videographers 
will direct. So you're essentially doing everything, which tends to obviously be on smaller budget things, content pieces, smaller budget music videos, things like that. A director, so, and to be fair, from where I started and where I've been throughout my whole career, is my job is literally to just direct the music videos. So I don't hold the camera, I don't do lighting, I don't, I don't do anything else apart from direct. So essentially what that means is, my job is to get a brief um, with the song, come up with an idea, a concept, mm -hmm. pitch that in what we call a video treatment, which is basically a presentation of photos and sometimes like little clips and videos with words explaining, breaking down what you see for the music video. And then once that obviously signs off, my job is on the day to go in, speak with my cameraman, basically essentially explain to them my vision of what I want and then for them, them and the rest of my team to basically execute that through lighting, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, I guess, again as well, like depending on the sets that you're on and how big they are, sometimes I'm on sets and I've got to be the one shouting action and all of that. But actually, as a director, you should technically be able to sit in your chair the whole day and just observe and feed notes. Oh, which laugh was <laughs> that? It's that like, that's... Oh, which laugh was that easy? It's like the bigger and bigger and bigger the budgets build, obviously allows you to then have a bigger crew. When you've got a bigger crew, you'll have a first AD, you'll have a second AD, which is essentially the people doing all the shouting, moving people around, all of that type of stuff. And my job should be to sit down behind the screen the whole day. And if I want changes or I want something to be um, altered or, you know, I want a light moved or whatever it is, I should be able to relay that to my team and then they essentially do the work. And then, yeah, the last process would then just be editing. Again, I personally um, don't self-edit. I can edit, but not to, like, the best of my abilities. And I don't really have the time to, like, hone in on that part. So mm. I will work closely with editors to then edit the video. And then same thing with colouring as well when it comes to colouring the video, like, giving them references, things like that. So essentially, as I said, like, the director's... A director's role is just the creative, the vision. Mm, mm, mm. What's the idea? How's it going to look? Making sure that that's executed and then making sure it comes together at the end. And hopefully, by the time you get your video, it's a reflection of what you originally what pitched. Yeah. Obviously, you're on big sets a lot. And what is the key roles that you cannot go without? So if someone called in sick on the day of the set, yeah, what is your key roles that key people that you couldn't go without? I mean, everyone's key to a sense. Like, there's so many things that you need to be able to make a video. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I had to pick one, it would probably <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Me. Um, it would probably be my DP. Um, DP for anyone that doesn't know <laughs> is um director of photography. So that is essentially. Not always actually your cameraman. Sometimes you get DPs that don't hold the camera and actually then tell someone else that is operating the camera. But mm. um, your DP for a director, I think that relationship is the most important when you're a director. I have a handful of DPs that are my go-to DPs um, that I work with. 
because essentially I'm feeding my DP my vision, and, and then they good. yeah, and they know the technicals. They know they should know the right lenses that be able to direct lighting crew to get what I basically pitch to them. Mm -hmm. So then it's their job to make that happen. So yeah, if my DP called me on the day and was like, I'm out, I pushed to reschedule the shoot. That's the reality of it. Yeah. If I couldn't, I would then go down, like I said, the lists of my close DPs I work with. And then if none of them were available, I would probably then sit with the producer and go on like a deep dive, depending on like the concept mm. on someone that specializes like in that particular look or whatever it is of video and try and source them. Source them where you can. Yeah. You've directed one of the biggest videos, um, I'd say last year, Ed Sheeran, Fireboy ML and Ed Sheeran Perry Remix. Mm -hmm. Talk me through how you got that video, mm -hmm. knowing the original song's really big. Mm -hmm. When you got the video, what and what went through your mind? Yeah. Don't worry, you can tell me the excitement. You can talk about running around the room, <laughs> calling your friends that. But yeah, what was the whole process from when you got the call to write the tune to doing the video to working with Ed? Because like, it's a big video, we have to talk about it. Um, so, firstly, the song I had heard, of course. I loved the song already. It was a song that I was listening to like, all the time. Um, and I've got a very good friend who works at Island Records as an AR, a guy mm -hmm. called Sam Adveo, who's the AR on that song. And um, he obviously got the rights to do the remix. And um, I remember having like so many conversations with him, like when because obviously we're just friends anyway, so we just we chit chat about stuff all the time. And we'd had so many conversations about who he was gonna put on the remix and like all this type of stuff. And um obviously in the end they got Ed. And I was like, I want the video, like I want the video, I want the video, like just get me into pitch. That's mm -hmm. all I want. I just want the opportunity to be able to pitch from it. If I don't win it, then I don't win it. Well, at least you got to pitch. At least I got to pitch. So in the end, what had happened is um it was a collaboration between Ed's label, Fireboy's label, and then Island Records in the UK. Um and every label basically had a director sending their pitch. So I mine went in from Ireland and I won it. Apparently it was Ed and Fireboy's favourite treatment. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, obviously like I was so happy of also being able to work with a friend as well. Like, like, you're, you're, down, you're downplaying your happiness. Like, no, you know what, yeah. What, what, I, is your, what is your Okay, upsetting? so I actually tell you, first I was really excited, but like I said, I think because I had been there at the beginning of the process before the record was even, mm -hmm. even made, mm -hmm. and I was slightly involved in the whole process of actually the record itself, because of rest in peace, Jamal Edwards was a good friend of mine, um, a good friend of Sam's and stuff as well. So like that whole thing to get on Ed on the record in the first place, I was already kind of entwined with. Um, so I think by the time I had won the music video, obviously I was so happy, but it wasn't like, oh, it just came out of the blue and then a few days later I pitched and I won. Mm -hmm. Because I'd already been around the process, I think, I was already like in my head, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So yeah, so then um, I won it, and then I got told we've got to go shoot it in New York. And I was so upset. Like, I was so upset at first. Because obviously, 
as we were just talking about, like as a director, I've got my team that I feel comfortable with. In that the like, UK. yeah, here in the UK that that know me, know how I work, like, and to go to a foreign country, and I hadn't worked in the States before, mm -hmm. so to go to a foreign country and then have to work with a completely new team that don't know me and I don't know any of them is like terrifying. And then on top of that as well, like obviously it's a, it was a big song, it was a big video, you're also walking into like the hub essentially of music and music videos. Mm -hmm. And um, here's little old me like bouncing on in um, and having to like take control, I guess, of a situation and basically make a whole room of people that probably don't have a clue who I am mm -hmm. essentially respect, respect me and want to follow me. And um, it's actually funny, I remember sitting in my room um, the night before I flew over with a few of my friends and I was so nervous and I was I was a little bit under the weather as well and I was sitting there like drinking my cup of tea like being like oh I don't know if I could do this I don't know if I could do this and then I had Sal on the phone to me being like you can't mess this up like you've got to kill it and I was like okay adding the pressure um and then yeah but to be fair I went over the team I, I actually had a producer over there that I'd met I'd never worked with but I'd reached out to him to help with production over there and he put like the most amazing team together like some really heavy hitters as well that have worked on like biggest big 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 videos and um yeah like the first day we walked into the like the recce like obviously that was another thing as well i didn't even know where we were shooting, shooting yeah. so they had obviously i described what i wanted but we had two places pencil and we had to go see them for the day and the first day that i walked in to be fair like location one i knew straight away yeah this is the location i didn't even want to see the next one and like the whole team were just on it like they were so on job and like no one tried to steamroll me like nothing like they really like believed in me and yeah like it was just it was so like it was such an amazing experience like the way that they work over there is just different, different like yeah, yeah. america's like, america's just, different video. yeah and like they're just they almost move like militant like it was like i would turn to my ad and be like okay like can we start getting ready because we only had ed for a few hours as mm -hmm. well so he was out there um I think he was doing the Empire State Building, like performing, and he was on like radio runs and all of this. And um, we only got him, I think, for like three or four hours, and we had quite a few scenes to do with him. So I was probably trying to, again, from my production background, I'm always like trying to stay on top of those things yeah. as well. Like telling my lady, oh, like, can we start? He was like, oh, no, what are you talking about? Like, we start setting that up like 45 minutes ago, and I was like, oh, okay. And like everything was just so handled and in control and it made my job so easy. Easier. So much easier. easier. I didn't have to worry about anything because every single time I'd gone to be like, oh, we need to do this. It had already, the process had already started. Um, and then, yeah, like the overall experience was amazing. Fireboy's like, he's so lovely. Like Ed as well, like one of the most down to earth guys like, I've ever met. Um, and like, the whole thing was just good vibes. I mean, we were in the middle of New, of New York. It was December. It was freezing. So we came back to London, obviously, to shoot the intro. And um, again, it was important for me to make sure that Jamal was in that as mm -hmm. he was such a huge part of even, like, making the song happen. And, um, yeah, and then went into edit. Um, I had a independent editor edit that video, um, a guy called Leon, who did an amazing job. And then I went and got it coloured. 
And the video came out and the response was just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, when the video dropped, I'm pretty sure we dropped it on Chris, Christmas Eve. I think it came out. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just, go- I remember, <laughs> I remember sitting behind my computer, like refreshing the like YouTube. <laughs> yeah, the like, views, yeah, the views minute, going up. And yeah. just seeing it like jump, jump, jump. I think we did, um, 10 million views in six days. And, um, yeah, like it was just, it was mad. Like I said, like that song, even more so when the remix came, it was like the song that just kept giving breaking like all the records all the boundaries like da 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 and um i love it too like when i make music videos like i love to go and like read the comments and like Mm -hmm. see like what people think and like all this type of stuff yeah like and i I mean that's something that i always think is just so amazing about being a director it's like even when i'm gone that's still gonna be here like for people to like enjoy um and yeah like everyone's feedback and stuff like off the video was just like oh like it's just such good energy and like good vibes and they look like they're having so much fun and like I want to be there and I was like that is literally what that was supposed to be like that's all that track was about like their collaboration um really like being able to see like them together like their energy you can't fake that Mm. like you can tell the difference when artists are kind of like paid to do a record and when it all all, when it organically happens and when like it's thing and that is that record like jamal took that song to ed ed heard it and straight away he's jamal was on the phone to sam being like send me like send me the beat and then, like, even when Ed was writing the song, like, he really wanted to make sure that, like, he had an understanding of, like, what, like, Fire was talking about. And, like, he was really communicating with him, like, getting him to break down, like, the lingo and, like, the language and, like, mm-hmm. being able to understand as he was writing his verse because mm-hmm. he genuinely wanted to do the song, firstly. Mm-hmm. And secondly, he wanted to make sure if he did it, it was done right. And that's something that I really respect, like, from him as an artist, you know. And um, that's the first remix ed sheeran's ever done like ever so no obviously he does collaborations but they're normally original records that was the first record ever did and i think putting him on the record at first people i think when it first kind of got leaked that he was going to be on the song i think everyone's initial reaction was a bit like "Mm, hold Mm. on a minute yeah when you heard it yeah like is this gonna like is it gonna work um but he like he absolutely smashed it Mm -hmm. like and like i said that organic like them working together and like ed's genuine love for the song you can feel it in the song and then for me that was so important to be able to make sure that that happened in the visuals genuinely seeing them like ed doesn't dance bro he just doesn't (laughs) and like he was probably just up for it i was like i'm gonna push you out your comfort zone a little bit like you know i just want you to like have fun and enjoy it and it's exactly what he did and like i said that whole set like anyone that you speak to that came off that set would have walked off that set being like, you know what, it was a long, cold night, but we had fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all that I really wanted from the, from the video. I wanted it to just feel like a feel-good video that, like, you watch it, you want to be there. And, like, everyone asks me all the time where I shot that video. When I tell them New York, they're always like, huh? But they obviously assume it's even London because of the intro, mm. or they think that we went and we did it somewhere. I didn't even know of New York. I didn't even know of New York store. Yeah, New so, York freezing cold warehouse with like holes in the seat. Like it, it was free- New York in December. Like mm. you couldn't get any colder. Like we had these big, huge industrial heaters. Like mm. 
blow it like blowing on us all day and like everyone in front of it like <laughs> um so when you actually watch the behind the scene behind the scenes of that and stuff as well like you see like we're all like freezing like that was worth it though yeah of course it was worth it was it. worth it though. like i said like everyone on set that day like just really like banded together and it was like okay we're here we just need to like knock it out of the park and like they actually ended up having fun doing it considering the circumstances as well so yeah that's good, man. No, it's good to hear your story from behind the lens because I didn't know none of this, you know what I mean? And that's what we try to do. We make sure we give people that information and that push. You've done an advert for Bendrop. Yes. Bendrop, one of the biggest UK clothing brands, one of my favourite clothing brands. Shout out Bendrop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, what was it like doing that? Because it's kind of taking you out of your, your comfort zone. A yeah, bit. so... Um, that Benjart commercial was a, a passion project for me. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, going back to the fact that I started in fashion, fashion is something that I've always loved. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, ended up directing and directing in music, which is, again, another thing that I do love. But for me, my like dream job would be to direct high-end fashion and beauty commercials. And unfortunately... Agencies and companies do not care that I've got seven years experience in music videos. They don't care what artists that I've worked with. They don't care about the work that I've produced. Crazy. If you haven't shot a commercial, we're not really interested. You've got to understand as well, like in that world, they're dealing with way bigger budgets. We're talking about like 150, 200K starting up to millions. And of course... And the director only gets 20% of that. 10. 10% of the... Yeah, 10%. Um... I mean, it's a bit... in it's in, give or take, in there, depending on what? Yeah, so in music videos, directors take 10% of a budget. In commercials, it's it, it sometimes works in percentages, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it ends up going on, like, day rates, overall rates. It's kind of complicated. But, yeah, as I said, um, they didn't care. So I was like, you know what? Um, this is something that I want to do. And um, I teamed up with um, another creative called Addy. Shout out, Addy. Um, she is like, kind of like me, produces, directs, like everything. And she really wants to be in that space too. So we just said like, why don't we just get together and do a passion project? So um, we called like a few of like our crew members that we regularly work with. We were just like, look, this is what we want to do. We obviously can't pay you, but um, it's something that we can all use for our reel and hopefully, Anyone that knows or has worked with me anyway knows, like, the more and more I progress, I don't forget, like, my people that, like, I've been working with. Like, they're coming with me. Like, I'm putting them on my bigger projects in at every opportunity that I can. Mm -hmm. So everyone was really down for it. And then just had to find a brand. And um, a friend of mine put me in contact with the guys over at Bang Jart. And um, we took the meeting. We just said to them, look, we just want something that's, like, really dope for, like, our real... And obviously you're going to be able to go and use it in whatever capacity. And it just happened to be the perfect timing. They'd just done the London Underground campaign and they were launching um, a new collection in Harvey Nichols. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so we spoke, we learned about like the backstory of the brand, how it started, like what was the inspiration for like new collection. It was an autumn, autumn winter collection. It was very based around like big puffer jackets and mm -hmm. like, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, me and Addy we actually pitched them kind of three concepts. So we like a lower budget 
concept, like a midway concept, and then like a really big one, just so that they had some versatility. Excuse me. And they ended up picking one. Well, when did they pick the, the middle? It was the, mid, it was the mid one. And they ended up putting some money forward, obviously, to make it happen because we had like crew and um, crew and equipment and stuff from our side covered. But when it came to actual creative, they would have, they had to obviously pay for that. Um, and yeah, so we shot that. Um, was like really amazing. The guys really like trusted our vision. Um, and yeah, like that process... I mean, it was so fun for me because, like I said, it was it's something that I've always wanted to do. I was also doing it, like, with my girls that, like, we've been working together, like, for years. And, again, with my team, mm-hmm. like, it was all very familiar, like, faces. And, um, yeah, I, it's funny because I was gutted because the launch in Harvey Nichols was the same day I shot Peru. Mm. And that was another reason why I did not want to go to New York to shoot this video because I was like... I know they're not, the label isn't going to care, but, like, this is something that's really... Really passionate to you, yeah. Like, something that I was passionate about. Like, I went and I put together, and, like, Harvey Nichols is, like, one of the biggest, you know, stores in London. And, like, my work was not only going to be in the store, but, like, all across the front of, like, the windows. Like, that's, like... That's sick. Well done. To do that as well off a passion project. It's crazy. Like, amazing, right? And, um... Yeah, like I was gutted. Well, I wasn't gutted. I was obviously super happy because I was shooting Peru. But I was in New York the night that the launch happened. And it's funny because that whole day was just so surreal. It was like... Everyone's sending you videos. I came off shooting like my biggest music video like probably today. Mm. And then at the same time, my work was on one of the biggest um, fashion houses like in the UK. And then here's me just like in this hotel room in like the middle of New York. And that that whole time for me as well was really funny because unfortunately my mentor, Luke Biggins, rest in peace. Yeah, um, Luke, he man. had passed away two months before that. So that whole six month period was like, I can't explain to you my like roller coaster of emotions because Luke's been there with me since I started. He DP'd my first ever music video. And um, he passed and I was literally like, it came out of nowhere. I was obviously devastated. I haven't, I haven't cried over losing anyone since I lost my dad when I was 19, but he was probably the closest person that I had to me as a father figure, not only just in, in the industry. As outside, outside the industry. And um, so, yeah, he passed away. And I was proper like, I don't know if I can do this without him. Mm. Like, he's always been there. Obviously, I knew I wasn't going to quit, but, like, he was supposed to be there doing, as I grew and I got bigger, he was supposed to do, like, all those steps with me. And then a month and a half, a month to a month and a half later is when Peru came about. Mm. And when I was doing the bone chart stuff, and I was like, wow, all these really amazing things are happening to me. And you want to share it. And he's not here. And then, um, yeah, like, I remember sitting in my room that night after after the video shoot, just, like, reflecting on everything, being, like, I feel so high because look at all these amazing things that are, like, happening. But then, obviously, like, emotionally, I, I almost feel low. Just at the end of the day, you're still a human being. It was so important to me. How could he miss this? Like, I've just done, like, 
going to be like the biggest song with one of the biggest artists on the planet. Like I went into the passion project that's in like this huge, like, and he's not here to like, not even be a part of it, but just witness it. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And then Peru came out. Peru was like, like I said, it was just this, this whole thing that was like on fire, just knocking down all these boundaries and awards and da da da. And then again, it was like, I was on a high and then boom, Jamal passes away, who was someone that was so like connected to that. So it was literally just this. Up and down, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Literally just this. But anyways, I'm sorry, I've like- No, long, long, long live, long live Jamal, yeah. long live Luke Biggins, you know? Yeah. Two legends. You know what? They are two people in this industry that like, they were so pure hearted. Both of them. No, I met Jamal once, still. I met him once. Could have been doing bigger, better things, but they cared so much about like the culture and the scene and like other creatives, and like it showed. Like anyone that you speak to about either of them, they like they both had that very similar principle, and that's very rare. You don't come a lot of people come across a lot of people like that. And I remember being at the Peru video shoot, and Jamal asked me, "How are you doing, since Luke?" And we had a whole conversation about it. And then mm. a few months later, he was gone. And I was just like, I can't, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, mm. I could not believe it. Um, it was shocking, man. But yeah, it, it was it was a lot. So yeah, anyways, as I said, I'm sorry, I keep going off the point. But yeah, so Benjar, amazing, amazing brand. The guys, like, behind it and stuff and, like, what they're doing is, like, incredible. And um, them allowing me to shoot that um, and believing that, you know, we were we were capable of pulling off the job. Like, we were all really, really happy. Um, yeah, hopefully more commercials to come in the future. Sick. Before we wrap up, I always ask, well, yeah, the question I always want to ask people, what advice would you give to your younger self? Mm. What, to do what I do or my younger self in general? In general, if you're young, if you, if you need to give a younger, your younger self some advice, mm. yeah, and how to be successful in this industry, um, not make certain mistakes, um, some obstacles. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, it's hard because I almost feel like I did all the right things because I'm here, right? <laughs> um, you have had some obstacles along the way. I would have liked to have known earlier. Um, I guess just like believing in myself more and like having the confidence that like I'm good enough to do this because like I said my confidence came over time mm -hmm. when I started I wasn't as confident um and I think in general anyway us as human beings we're always self-doubting you know what I mean like you can be the most positive person in the world and like you're like yeah I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get this and I get this but that that bit of self-doubt I think we all have it. It always creep like creeps up on us, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but genuinely I think like anything is achievable. Like that's the reality of it. Anything that you set your mind to, if you want to do it and you work hard enough and you grind hard enough, you will get there. Like, and doesn't matter how many no's that you were told, it wasn't meant for like it's just not meant for you. And you know, everything's gonna happen fall in place like in the right reason at in the right time and i think that's something that i guess i would have liked to know when i was younger mm -hmm. um 
I was definitely a lot more emotional when it came to like the industry and things like that. I used to take things a lot more personal and, you know, like I had those times where like I was almost like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore and stuff like that. But nothing's going to be easy. Life, like in general, like nothing comes easy. All the all all the nice things that you want in life, you've got to work for it. And yeah, you just got to set your mind to it and get it done. And if you don't get it done, someone else is going to come right through and do it instead of you. So, yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed talking to you today. Um, you've told me so many things that I didn't know, that I wanted to know. I feel like you've motivated uh, uh, people that's watching. Um, me as a director, saw shooting videographer, like... I always believe it's important to give people the stories from behind the lens that want to be like us, want to do what we do or aspiring to what we do, but are lost because as many times I've been in this and I've lost and off camera, you've always sort of told me, say, oh, do you know what I'm about? Don't know about this. And, and you just keep, we've got to keep pushing, keep pushing. Like, and I even feel sometimes people feel like even that they're creative, they can't go and get a nine to five. Mm. Yeah because they're a creative and I felt like that. But sometimes you have to do what you got to do, but don't forget where your passion's at. 100%. Like, so you come here today, um, sharing your story, sharing sharing all your experiences. It's really appreciated. And that's what we want to do on Director's Cut, really just give some game, give some history and get to know the director. Because as a director, I don't feel like we don't really get awarded as much as we'd like to for the amount of work that we put in. Like we put so much work in, the artist gets the video and they get all that, all the, all the energy, which is cool, they paid for it, it's their video, but what about the work that we put in before you saw that? The treatments, the, the trying to the trying to get the budgets, the being on set, getting your crew, all that stuff. There's so much work that goes in. So um, yeah, like I wish you the best in your career and everything that you got going on, you know, you're my G from long time anyway. So yeah. So and um yeah man, just keep creating, keep, 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 keep hitting them with the videos, man. Keep hitting them. Listen, next next few years you're gonna see me on the either Big Beyonce video or like a Dior or Chanel Christmas up. Just call me, man. I got them little behind the scenes. Look cool. I'm 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 Gab's vlog guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I'm not where with you. But um, I'm Flash Johnson. This is episode two of Director's Cut. I'd like to thank you for watching. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Director's Cut. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe for more videos.